what we want to do tonight is speak a little bit about the grace of the, and the glory of God. And then we want to have a time of impartation and uh, set up some, some, like some fire tunnels here. So I need some pastors to help us. How many pastors are in the meeting? Right? Pastors, hands up high, wave, wave, wave. Okay, great. We can have you guys as the ministry team in just a bit. Let's open uh, to the book of Psalms, verse 16. I'm sorry, Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16, 11. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasure forevermore. Say this to me. In your presence. In your presence. In your presence. There is fullness of joy. In your presence. There's fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasure forevermore. I think it's amazing that the psalmist here says, you show me the path of life. Did you ever wonder, you know, what the path of life, what the secret of life is? How should we walk? Here comes the answer. It's found in his presence. It's his presence that you and I need to be seeking tonight. It's the presence of the living God. Now, just very quickly, a testimony. Carol and I, we, we, we got married in 1979, and we lived happily ever after. And we were just two broken pieces that found each other, and I mean, it's just been great. And we've been prayed for by many, many people for an impartation because we were looking for more of God. Can any of you relate to that? I want more of God. Is that, your, is that a passion, or is it just kind of like, yeah, well, if he's got more, I guess I can have it. I mean, how many really, really want more of God? Come on. Give the Lord a shout and say, I want more. I want more of you. Well, that was a passion. That was a built-in thing with us. And we wanted more, and we've had prayer for many people. I mean... We, Catherine Kuhlman is one of my heroes, one of the first speakers here. I loved her ministry. I mean, I think she really rescued me because I would have given up on miracles and stuff because I had a lot of talk and I never saw anything really. And when I went to her meeting, I couldn't keep track of them all. There were so many miracles. It was great. And we loved her. Well, Carol actually had a healing, a back healing in a Catherine Kuhlman meeting. And so Catherine prayed for her. And I've had many, many men of God pray for me. Benny Hinn is a friend for many years. Benny's prayed for me many times. Uh, John Wimber's prayed for me, many others. I've had, you know, I often, I still to this day get prayer from men of God because I believe in impartation. I believe in it. But we, we really didn't really clue in until we went to Argentina, and I'll come back to that. In 1993, we went to Argentina, and God really, really met us with an impartation that changed our lives. But through the 80s, 
we started our first church in, uh, Carol and I were married in 79, we went to Indonesia on a mission trip in 1980, coming home from that after they totally wrecked us with their love, we just said, God, we can't give our lives to business anymore, we've got to go in the ministry, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. You know, you should never let God hear you say that. Because he'll take you up on it. He said, great, go to Carol's hometown and start a church. And I'm like, what? I'd have gone to Alaska before I'd have gone to Stratford, really. Because, you know, there were issues there. There were all her friends, and, and it was like, oh, Carol is back in town, and she started a what? How do, you start a, how do you start a church? They'd never heard of it. It's like, you mean like the Catholic church he started, or the Lutheran church? I mean, they were just, it was just amazing. But we started that church, and we began, and you know, inadvertently, I think something in my heart switched when I moved from just being sort of a businessman who was serving the Lord because I loved him. All of a sudden now, we're planning a church, and we're having to do this thing. And so then I wanted to do it, and I wanted to be successful at it, and I'm saying, Lord, we need the power to see these kids get set free from drugs. And we need the Holy Spirit to come and see miracles happen. And, and we, we just had a harvest of young people off the street. and They were, they were getting saved and s set free, but they, they weren't getting free enough, in my opinion. And, and so we were trying to have more power. And that was the pursuit, really, because I'm a bit of a bottom-line guy. You know, Let, let's get, get down. I want to know, are you free or aren't you? And yet... Throughout that time, God, in his wisdom, started to show us the issues of the heart. And I give Carol the credit for that, because she, she picked up on it sooner than I did. But like I said last night, the inward journey is the very thing that will determine how far you go on the outward journey. It will determine the, the level of success, to use that word, or effectiveness that you will have in the outward journey is determined by how deep you go in the presence of God. Now, I didn't know that really at the time. At least I'd never thought it through in that way. But we, we began to be introduced to some of this stuff. The first thing was Jack Winter came and introduced us to the Father's love. And up until that time, I kind of had an operative theology which would say Jesus is okay, but watch out for God the Father because... You can never please him. You never did it quite well enough or enough of it or too much of it or whatever. And, you know, I'd read the Old Testament, how the earth had opened swallow people, and I just didn't understand that. This God of perfection is demanding perfection for me. And so I felt safe with Jesus, but I totally misunderstood the Father. And Jack came and he read John 14 to us, and... He, he read the, the statement of Jesus, and he said, Well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And then he said, So where do you think this journey ends? You know, where is it all leading? It's taking us to the Father. And I'd never thought of that before. I thought of heaven. You know, heaven's a great place. We'll all have harps, you know, like the harps they got back here, and a little cloud of your own to float around on, maybe, and you get to see your friends, and maybe your old dog will be there, and, you know, it'll just be a great place. But it never occurred to me that we're going to face the Father one day. But Jesus said that's where we're going. And he told us the Father's 
exactly like him. And he came to, to, to tell the world how nice and how wonderful and how compassionate and understanding and all of that the Father really is. And it was a revelation to me. And we discovered our Heavenly Daddy and our Heavenly Daddy's love. And then we found out uh, about John and Paula Sanford and the fact that God wants to come and heal up the hurts in our hearts and lives. Once again, it was an inward work of grace. How many have ever been hurt by another person? Is there anybody here who's never, ever been hurt by another person? Mothers, fathers, siblings, on and on it goes. A number of you forgave some people tonight, didn't you? Good for you. Well, we got uh, teaching that was starting to apply the cross to the hurts and wounds and fears and shames and games and all the rest of it that are in the human heart. And we started coming into amazing freedom. And my relationship with my, my own mom was just, not that it was ever, um, you know, we were never not speaking or anything, we were just never close, really. And it just was so turned around. And uh, Carol and I went to my dad, and we knelt down in front of him and said, Dad, we want you to bless us with your blessing. And he prayed this amazing prayer over us with tears streaming down his face that everything God had had for him that he'd refused to do, maybe the Lord would give it to us and multiply it upon us and everything. And it was just a wonderful blessing prayer. And we found out from Mark Verkle, I'd had a dream. I had a powerful dream one night that there were three bottles of cream for me, and I was to go to Buffalo and get these bottles of cream from a dairy. There's these old-fashioned cream, glass cream bottles. You know, how many remember those? Yeah, about so high. And in the dream, there was just this rich cream. And so we went over there, and we, we talked to Tommy Reed, who I knew a little bit, and we met Mark, and Mark introduced us to how to hear the voice of God. And that, with those other things, became you know, foundational pieces as God revealed his kingdom to us because the kingdom of God that we were seeking was, was really revealed in our hearts. And I didn't realize it at the time. I thought all this was just, you know, part of what we needed to do. And I'd say to Carol, well, hey, you, you learn all that stuff and help the basket cases and they need help and they need you to do that. I don't need that. I'm fine. I'm functioning. I get up in the morning. But Help those poor, helpless people. That was where I was coming from. But I found out, you know what? I needed this too. And God began to set me free. And so as the kingdom did its work on the inside of us, transforming us, enabling us to forgive. You know, when we asked people to forgive, there was maybe a quarter of us raised their hand. And that's because people can't really forgive until there's a safe place to run to, until you've had a revelation of your heavenly daddy's love, and you know that you're not going to be the worse off for letting someone off the hook like that, because you, you have touched and tasted the love of God. It's the kingdom within you. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you, and this is all the things he's talking about, the revelation of the rule and reign of God. You know, there's a king and a kingdom, and I love the king, don't you? And I love his kingdom, don't you? And it's, it's getting revealed on the inside of us. And yet, I hadn't understood at this point that what goes on 
inside and that kingdom within determines the impact of the kingdom without and the kingdom that you will minister uh, in and through. Well, an event happened in about September of 92. Carol and I went to Benny Hinn's meeting in Toronto. It was at Maple Leaf Gardens at that time, and he packed the place, and it was great. He hadn't been there a long time, and he came home to Toronto where he kind of grew up, if you, if you know his story. And it was a wonderful meeting. We saw the lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear, and about a thousand people came to Jesus, and we're like, this is it. This is what we want. More of the Holy Spirit. It's the anointing, the very thing we began with back in Catherine Kuhlman days and everything. That's what we have to have. And so we went backstage and met him, and, uh, and Benny was still under the anointing. And as we came through that uh, door there to that back room, he just kind of lunged at us. He says, the anointing is all over you guys. And boom, we're both down on the floor. And Carol got so touched so wonderfully wasted in the presence of God. But I got touched a little myself. But I'm not a big receiver compared to her. <laughs> but I'm saying to her, baby, this is it. This is what we need. You stay under this. I'll get you home. Don't worry. You know, I'll get you home. And Kim DuPont, Mark's wife, Kim was with us, and, and her on one side and me on the other, and we carried Carol down the street, you know, and got her into the car, and she's just absolutely buzzing with the anointing, weren't you? I had to get her home, and we went to Connie and Jeremy's place where we were staying that night and put her to bed. But I'm saying, baby, stay under this, because this precious anointing is actually what we're looking for. It is the presence of God. And so we got to praying about that and uh, said, Lord, we have to have your presence. We have to have your presence. We have to have the anointing. And he knew our heart and how serious we were about that. And the Lord said to me, if you're serious, I'll give you two things to do. Number one, I want your mornings in prayer. Number two, I want you to spend time with anointed men and women. And so we purposed in our hearts that we would do just that. And we began to give God our mornings. And we worshiped together. We read the Bible. You know, we uh, played guitar and harp and worshiped him. And we read devotionals and we prayed and, and we read the word. And we just, you know, what started out to be like an hour or so ended up three, four hours many, many times. And we had a whole year and a half of that. And do you know what happened in that year and a half? The kingdom of God went deeper and deeper within us. And we fell back in love with Jesus. We just rediscovered our first love passion for him. And we realized we had a heavenly daddy who loved us. And we had a Savior who loved us. And we had a Holy Spirit who loved us and was with us at every moment. And we began to see an increase in the power and the anointing that would flow, but we, somehow we were oblivious to it, weren't we, love? And it was like, well, things happen once in a while. And, but, you know, you get disillusioned after you've been in this thing for a few years. I've been in this since the 60s. 
And you know, you, you, you hope that God's going to use you one day, but it doesn't happen, and it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. So after a while you say, oh, well, that's all right. We'll just carry on the way we are. So we were content in one sense, but we were hungry for more, yet we're afraid to, to reach out and rev up our faith and believe God for more. And so we're just kind of going along. And then the opportunity came to go to Argentina, and I wanted to see the revival down there, and so Carol and I decided we would go, and we went back and forth, should we, shouldn't we, and we can't afford it, it's an awful long way, oh, you know. But in the end, we went. I'm ever so glad we did. And a lot of things happened. We saw revival in the prisons, cooperation among pastors, wonderful, wonderful things going on there. But in the end of the day, Claudio Friesen prayed for us. And here's what happened. We got an impartation. Now, he prayed for all the Westerners, and we came across the stage, and he laid hands on us and prayed for us, and the anointing went into people. And pe Peter Wagner was on the floor just rubbing his face right into the carpet, and Cindy Jacobs went ballistic, and, you know, people were just flying every which way. I kind of fell over politely, and Carol went absolutely ballistic, just like I'd never seen her go. And she was drunk. She was walking on the sides of her feet, and she didn't walk, you know, and she's laughing and, and everything else. But anyway, I kind of recovered a little bit, and I stood up, and I'm standing there like this. Claudio said to me, do you want this? And I'm thinking, oh, I want it all right. I said to him, I want it all right. Inside, I'm thinking, why do you think I've come all these thousands of miles and spent all this money? I want it all right. And then he said to me words that changed my life. He said, then take it. And inside, a number of things happened at lightning speed. I realized for the first time the Holy Spirit was there for the taking. The anointing was there for the taking. The kingdom was there for the taking. And I said, I'll have it, all right. And he just slapped my hand and said, take it. And, and down I went again. But inside there was just like, and I knew that I knew that I knew that something had shifted. We went home from that, not wondering what, wondering what to expect. And I thought, well, let's, let's have a healing meeting once a month. You know, we'll, we'll start a healing meeting and we'll, we'll just start praying for people. And I thought, if people get healed, then people will get saved and, and, and stuff of the church will grow, all that kind of thing. Meanwhile, we met another leader who told me about Randy Clark and what had happened to Randy. And so I quickly invited Randy to come. And he said, well, I don't know about the end of the month, but I could come on the 20th. And he came on the 20th, and when Randy came in, he was fresh from a very similar um, quest with Rodney Howard Brown. And he came in, and the two of us sparked each other without realizing it. Now, please keep in mind that we really, neither of us had a whole lot of faith. Randy said, gosh, John, I don't know if anything will happen. It only ever happened once before. Can I bring my youth pastor? Because I only got two messages, and I can preach two, and he could preach one or two. I said, sure, bring him, you know. We'll just have some fun. But I tell you what, when he came in that room and gave a testimony about what happened, invited people to receive the Holy Spirit, it was like the heavens opened and the Spirit of God fell on us that night. And I learned what that passage means when the Spirit falls on them. 
when Peter said he fell on them in Cornelius' house like he fell on us at the beginning. And the Holy Spirit fell on us and he wasted us. And it was the thing that was so interesting about that was this wasn't Argentina. But this wasn't even a Benny Hinn meeting where he gets, you know, one or two at a time. This was about 130 or 40 people that I knew them all in my church. I remember Mary Audrey came in the side door wondering what all the commotion was about. She finished her class and came in, and her first thought was, where is everybody? She looked around. And then she realized they're under the chairs. They're in the aisles. They're all over the floor. And they're rolling and groaning and laughing. And I mean, it's just, and her mouth fell open. And she went, and then, bam, right down on her face. And that was it. We got blasted by the presence of God. And the kingdom of God invaded that place. And we knew it was God. But see, I still didn't, didn't understand that he came to do the work in the heart first and foremost. Well, we had all these wonderful testimonies of my marriage was healed and my, my life was healed. And we had, we had one family brought their dyslexic daughter. She was so dyslexic that this, the, the school special classes couldn't, could help her. Here's what happened to her. She went under the power and she was out for three hours. When she got up, she said, Mommy, my head hurts. And she said, Oh, you'll be all right. She never told them what went on until later. But on the way home, they realized she's reading the billboard signs. A girl that could not write her own name. They said, Heather, what happened to you? She said, Well, I, I, went, I was on an operating table. And angels were operating on me, and they cut my head open, and they put stuff in, and they took stuff out, and they sewed me back up again. And they told me I'd be all right now. And well, we're like, gosh, I never heard of anything like that. Angels doing surgery? Like, where is that in the Bible, you know? But see, the parents didn't care, because their little... 11-year-old, or whatever she was, was completely healed. She went back into a regular school in Pennsylvania and quickly went to the top of the class and graduated as the third highest in, in the school. And we had her in our school, too. And, you know, she just loved praying for kids that had dyslexia. Anybody got dyslexia here? Just put your hands on your head and say, Angels, come, do it to me, too. <laughs> I want to be set free from that. And we began to see that God was doing these great works of the heart. Well, people were laughing themselves into healing, and they would weep. I remember um, Bob Mumford came with Jim. They brought a guy from Alaska. His name was Jack. This guy was so, so fed up with church. He'd gone through about five church splits. And he was, his wife was so broken, she, they wouldn't, she wouldn't even come to the meetings. And yet, this guy got absolutely blasted by the Holy Spirit. And I remember looking at him just as power would come on him. He'd arch up and everything else, and he would weep, and then he would laugh, and then he would cry, and then he would laugh. 
He just kept doing that. We asked him, what was going on? He said, God just took me back to all these hurtful times one after another, and he healed me, and he pulled the pain out, and I would just think it was funny that I was so upset about it after a while. And then we'd do another one, and then another one, you know. And the guy just was revolutionized by that. And we realized that God was a God of the heart, and he was going after the things of the heart. Oh, my goodness. It took me a while to figure out God was not going to set us up into healing evangelistic meetings right away. He wanted to build a foundational work in the hearts of people first. You see, the inward journey is very, very important to him because it's the stuff that makes it real. 